Welcome back to That Organic Mom's Podcast, where you can learn anything and everything about how to get and stay healthy. From my favorite expert, Rebecca Huff. She's the one keeping your families healthy and energetic all year round. Also, get free menus, recipes, and many more resources on That Organic Mom's website, thatorganicmom.com. And here's Rebecca. Hello and welcome to That Organic Mom's podcast, A Healthy Bite. And I want to get some housekeeping out of the way first off in this very first episode. A Healthy Bite is meant to be bite-sized pieces of information that are easily digestible. So basically, this is going to be a place where you can come and just get that quick little pep talk, a little bit of encouragement on your journey to healthier living. So today's podcast is going to be about some lifestyle tweaks that we can all implement for our children's health. These are just some things that I have done in the past that has helped to boost my children's health overall. So we're going to start out as a new mom and we're going to talk a little bit about sleep. You know, sleep, that thing where you go in your room and you get in bed and nobody comes in there. And then sometimes you like have dreams or nightmares and then you wake up and you feel refreshed and then you go on with your day. Um, As a new mom, it's possible that you have forgotten what that's like. So don't worry if that's you, you will experience it again. I've been there. We all know that exhaustion does things to us. I remember back when I was a new mom and I was a bit out of it due to lack of sleep only a few weeks after my first child was born. She cried a lot and we lived in an apartment and one day my neighbor actually came and knocked on my door and she says, can't you make that baby stop crying? Well, you can imagine my response. I was exhausted and I probably looked like a crazy person, but I looked her in the eye and I thought this person knows even less about babies than I do. And I just looked at her and I said, where's the off switch? You know, I wish there was a magical switch that we could flip that would just change their crying to laughing. But while there's no switch that we can flip, there's a few things we can do to ease their journey through childhood and bring them more healthfully into adulthood. You see, it's the little things that have a cumulative impact on our children's health. One of the things that I have learned about motherhood is that we always have to expect the unexpected. Motherhood is a crazy ride. And I want you to know up front that everything I suggest in this podcast might not jive with you. We don't all parent alike. Hey, I'm not the same mother I was 25 years ago in that apartment. You see, one-size-fits-all parenting is just like one-size-fits-all clothing. It's not always a good fit. Am I right? That's why those little stinkers don't come with instruction manuals. I mean, they enter the world crying. They don't sleep through the night. They don't want what we feed them. They're full of energy the minute they wake up and we have no idea what they want. My third daughter recently mentioned to me that she was planning to get her septum pierced on her 18th birthday. As she explained it to me, next month she would be becoming an adult, and so we had a little chat about what it means to be an adult. Six months after I officially became an adult, I joined the Air Force. 
and I had requested to be stationed in the southeastern part of the United States so that I could stay close to my family. However, the military sent me to Zweibrück in Germany. It seems like they had other plans. But that's okay. It turned out fine. I enjoyed my time in Europe, and I got married, and I had my first child, and I've learned so many lessons along the way. One of the most painful lessons I've learned is that seeing my child suffer is more painful than suffering myself. And as a mom, you probably have been there before. Seeing your child suffer is extremely painful. I also hate to clean up puke. So these are among the many reasons why it has always been my goal to learn as much as I can about how to avoid childhood illness and childhood diseases just as much as possible. So I want to get started and share a few of those things that I've learned with you. Now, like I said, we're going to start with sleep. I mean, that's the most important thing, right? So hopefully you're not still afraid of the dark because if you are, you may not like this suggestion, but the suggestion is that we sleep in total darkness. I want you to start from birth, allowing your child to sleep in total darkness You may have heard about that hormone melatonin. A lot of people take a supplement melatonin. And that hormone that our body produces is produced to help us have restful sleep. And artificial lights that are coming in your windows from street lights or artificial lights from TVs and alarm clocks, all of these things can hinder your normal melatonin production. Believe it or not, even the little indicator lights on some of the things, the appliances that you have in your room can affect your sleep. If your baby is not sleeping through the night, consider removing all of those light sources. Loss of sleep can interfere with your child's pituitary gland, and that can set them up to have some unhealthy insulin levels. Sleep is completely necessary for health and for life. It is necessary for tissue repair, for cell growth, maintaining the immune system, and so much more. So when we remove those nightlights, we can help our kids to sleep better, which is another defense against childhood illness. So if your child is afraid of the dark, try using motion-activated bulbs in the bathrooms and maybe in the hallways. I have one of those in my laundry room because I go in there a lot and my hands are always full, so it just turns on. It's super handy. Um, In our bedrooms, there's no digital clocks, no night lights. We use a fan at night, but I do put electrical tape, the black tape you can get, over that little blue light so that it is not lighting up the room. And it's really amazing how much light can be given off from just a little indicator light. So go ahead and cover those up. And if necessary, use blackout curtains. If there's a lot of light coming in from your neighborhood, you'll want to use blackout curtains. But if you live in the country or if there's no light pollution, but there is light from the sun and the moon, go ahead and leave off those blackout curtains because that kind of light can actually help your child's help their sleep cycles. So you also want to, with older children, you want to restrict or at least limit screen time after dinner because that also, that form of light can interrupt their sleep cycles. Okay, and on to the next tip. The next tip is that I want you to let your children go outside and play 
and I want you to stop worrying about them getting dirty. The goal is to get dirty. (laughs) I admit, I am actually one of those moms that says, right as I'm sending my children out the door, don't get dirty. So believe me, this is so hard for me. I have to train myself and restrain myself to keep from saying that phrase. So let your children play outside and let them know that it's okay if they get dirty. There was a study of 400 children that showed that the idea that you can never be too clean is incorrect. We actually need some of the things that are available from dirt to help us have a healthy immune system. There's compounds in dirt that help our children by boosting their levels of iron and zinc and and other things that really help to strengthen their immune system. So let them get outside and take a deep breath and get dirty. Now, sometimes you're going to want to get out there and play with your kids. Allowing them to run around outside barefoot when it's safe is great for them. Safe sunshine exposure creates vitamin D. And walking barefoot in grass, sand, dirt, pebbles, wherever it's safe for your children to walk outside barefoot, allow them to do that because that helps to balance out overexposure to all of the electromagnetic fields that we are surrounded with on a daily basis. Now, you've probably heard that sitting is the new smoking. And I just feel like that is so sad because most young children don't have a desire to smoke, right? But sitting is something that our kids are forced to do once they start kindergarten. And our kids are actually born with a strong desire to move. And if they're given the freedom to move, they will just naturally get the right kinds of exercise. So please, please encourage your children to play outside. The fact is that kids are indoors more than ever, so it's important to have a toxic-free home, and that means you're going to want to remove, reduce, or replace the number of chemicals that your child, children, come into contact with on a daily basis. You know, to be honest, our kids really don't need all these products that we're putting on them every single day. Just stop and think about what you have likely put on your child or even yourself for that matter in the last 24 hours. Toothpaste, lotion, shampoo, sunscreen, laundry detergent that comes in contact with their skin, bubble bath. There's just so many things, so many products. And I know you're thinking right now, this lady is out of her mind. First, she's going to tell me to let my kids play outside, and now she's telling me to use less cleaning products on them, but it's all good. Trust me, this is going to be great. Your kids are going to love you for it. Now, when you are bathing your children, instead of lots of bubble bath, I would suggest you try using magnesium bath flakes. If you can't get your hands on that, you can try some Epsom salts. Some studies indicate that as much as 85% of the population are magnesium deficient. So soaking in Epsom salts and magnesium bath flakes That's one way of really upping your magnesium levels. And this is great for kids. Kids that play outside can get clean by playing in a bathtub full of Epsom salts water for 15 or 20 minutes. So don't worry too much about using too much soap. Too much soap actually over dries their skin because it removes the oil 
on their skin that helps their body to produce vitamin D. Vitamin D. So this tip can be really beneficial if your child has skin conditions. You could really benefit from allowing them to take sea salt baths, like using pink Himalayan salt in their water. All of these salts contain trace minerals, and they are naturally cleansing and very soothing to your child's skin. And next, we are going to move on to my favorite subject, food. Well, most kids are born with a neutral palate, and they can be trained to love or hate healthy foods. We want to instill a love of healthy foods and love of learning by teaching them to be responsible for their choices and to teach them to read labels right beside you. When my oldest daughter was very young, for the first four years of her life, she was an only child. She was a little bit spoiled by her grandparents. I worked the weekends, so they spent a good deal of time in charge of her well-being. She started refusing to eat certain foods until gradually there were only two food groups, chicken nuggets and ice cream. Eventually, my mom confided to me that she had been allowing my daughter to have ice cream for breakfast on the weekends because at least it had milk. You've heard that saying, you are what you eat. That's because you are. Your body is made up of trillions of cells, and those cells are made up of what you put in your body and what you put in your child's body. See, foods are a combination of various building blocks. An orange has a good deal of vitamin C and very little B12. Eggs have protein, but they're not a good source of fiber. So here's a concept to consider. Your baby is built on what you eat. And my kids love to talk about how they are what I ate when I was pregnant. My first child was rolls with honey butter because it was the only thing I could keep down. Of course, I'm sure some of you have been through this, throwing up all day, every day. I lost a lot of weight and my doctor wanted me to gain it back. My second and third children were sushi. But don't worry, none of it was raw. My fourth child was sonic ice, thankfully, because by my fourth pregnancy, I no longer needed to gain weight. My sixth child was homemade enchiladas. We ate a lot of those while I was pregnant with her. And you may notice that I skipped over my fifth child. I call him my Popeye baby because he weighed 12 pounds when he was born at home. And that story can be found on my blog at thatorganicmom.com. Along the way, I learned that food is medicine. I learned that food can build our bodies up or it can tear our bodies down. Food preferences are formed early in childhood and they are said to affect our child's eating habits for the rest of their lives. Now here's a startling fact. On an average day, Over 30% of two and three-year-olds do not eat one single vegetable. Of the ones who do, can you guess what that vegetable is? You guessed it, fried potatoes. What if we could change the way our kids feel about food? I'm going to go through some quick suggestions on how to encourage healthy eating habits in your children. First of all, I want you to make sure to avoid labeling your child a picky eater. 
Labeling your children can lower your own expectations and that can prevent you from helping your child to try new foods. Children do not like labels any more than we do. And often when a child hears his parents saying that he is picky, they assume he can't be anything else. Of course, I don't want to eat that because I'm a picky eater. So please don't label your children. Another great way to get your kids to eat better is to use food bridges. And I mean, if your child likes mashed potatoes, try serving them mashed cauliflower or from an orange vegetable, say they like sweet potato, try to get them to eat carrots. If they like, you know, if they like romaine lettuce, try getting them to eat spinach. So try to use food bridges to expand what your child accepts on their plate. Also, try sneaking some veggie purees into things where your child won't notice. I have done this with adults and it works great. I have put spinach in brownies. I've made brownies from black beans. I have made macaroni and cheese with butternut squash. There's lots of ways you can sneak in some extra vegetables in your child's diet. Next, be a role model. If you want your children to eat more fruit and vegetables, you need to make sure they are seeing you do the same. Eat meals with your children and let them see you eat and enjoy vegetables. You know, I love spicy things and I really love experimenting with foods from other cultures. And now all of my children are the same. They love and enjoy eating foods from other cultures. Now, you want to maximize those meal times. So when you're preparing your dinner time meal, serve some vegetables for your children to snack on. Maybe a dip and some raw veggies like celery and hummus or cucumbers and hummus. But put something out there for your kids to snack on while they're waiting for dinner. My children love sugar snap peas. Then when you have dinner ready, make sure you put out the vegetables first before the other food. You can use lettuce as a wrap instead of tortillas sometimes. That works with my kids. And then there are other things that you can do like allowing them to choose produce while they're at the grocery store with you. Take them to farmer's markets. Let them choose vegetables to try. And if you are doing this next suggestion, I want you to try to wean yourself off of it. Do not make multiple meals at dinner time. In other words, close the restaurant. Make and serve one meal that everyone eats. Obviously, you're going to want to include something that your child actually likes. At least one thing that you're serving on the family meal table should be something that they can fill up on. Just try not to make it mac and cheese or ice cream at every meal. The goal is to make sure there's at least one staple food that your children will eat for dinner. Do not force your children to eat everything on their plate. This will just start a food war, and from my experience, you will not win. Food wars are not a good way to get your children to eat a healthier diet. So we also want to snack smart. I like to commit to one small morning and one small afternoon snack every day. We want to keep baskets of fruits on the counter so our children can grab that. But we want to minimize the mindless eating 
walking around with a cup full of goldfish all day will keep your child from having an appetite at mealtimes. So you want to minimize that snacking and make sure that you don't let them snack for a couple of hours before dinner so that everyone comes to the table hungry. And just like with adults, taste matters to kids. They eat what tastes good. I mean, don't we all? So if we don't train our taste buds to enjoy other foods, we're not going to have preferences for healthy foods. So try to make those foods appealing and tasty. Don't just steam or boil vegetables. Try roasting them. Drizzle some nice avocado oil and sprinkle it with salt and a spice that your child likes. And yes, if your kids don't like their food to touch on their plate, by all means, get them a divided plate. Choose to be patient with your child. Healthy eating, just like learning to read or ride a bike or play ball, is a skill that takes time. Try not to get discouraged because it does take time. Remind yourself that it takes weeks or sometimes months or maybe even years for your children to adapt. But what you teach them now, they will take with them into adulthood. Research actually says that it can take upwards of 20 times for a child to like something new. By the way, if you want your child to sleep better, choose snacks like chicken or turkey, cashews or almonds, even pumpkin seeds or cheese. These are great bedtime snacks because all of these foods contain higher levels of tryptophan. And you'll recall from Thanksgiving that tryptophan in the turkey always makes us sleepy. At mealtimes, bring back soup and salad. Use fruits for dessert. Soup that's made with real bone broth is extremely healthy. There's a reason why our grandmothers made us chicken soup when we were sick. And children tend to enjoy eating soup. Even babies can eat soup that's cooked when the vegetables are fairly soft. See, bone broth contains an incredible amount of minerals and it's easily assimilated by our digestive systems. The nutrients that are in bone broth help us to develop and build strong bones, have healthy, glowing skin, strong nails, and beautiful hair. It helps our muscles to grow, and it boosts our immune system. It's not hard to make bone broth. Let's say you had a T-bone steak last night. When you finish eating, throw those bones in a pot on your stove, add a little bit of real salt, a splash of vinegar, and simmer it. Doing this is simple and inexpensive, and it can be done with chicken bones too. So whatever type of bones you have on hand, just use those. It's way more economical than buying the cans or boxes of stock, and it's so much better for your health. When an illness is going around during that season, Nothing is better than a nice broth for a wonderful remedy that will help your digestion and it will just boost your immune system and make you feel better fast. Now, I know I've shared a lot of information with you today. Everyone wants to tell you how to take care of your kids. Everyone has an opinion and it's hard not to feel judged. I have felt judged. Maybe the best you can do is grab a cold Pop-Tart on your way to school and throw it to the back seat so your kids have something, anything to eat before they get to school. Or maybe you have takeout on speed dial. Don't worry, 
We've all been there. Just keep in mind if you ever feel judged, my daughter had ice cream for breakfast. Now you might already be doing some of these things and if not, I hope you won't feel overwhelmed. Just remember, you're doing the best you can with what you've got, and you're doing great. There's been plenty of times when I have fallen asleep before my children. Well, let's be honest. They all stay up later than me nowadays. But whatever that perfect mom looks like to you, please know that she has experienced some of the same struggles that you have. And no matter how much stuff I do right, I still get mom guilt. We all do, and we need to minimize that mean mom voice in our head that tells us we're not doing good enough. On those days when you feel like you're not doing it right and you're doing everything wrong, just remember that parenting is hard and it's designed to be that way. Very few experiences in life can humble us as much as parenting. So start where you can. Don't be afraid to try something new. Then go out there and share your real life with another mom and let her know you struggle too so that she knows she's doing okay. And quite frankly, this is the most important tip. Let's learn to share our true struggles with each other so we don't all lose our mind. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 